0: Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Today is April twenty second, twenty twenty, and you know, as the month is exiting from you know, month, the first quarter, if mm, the first quarter of this year is leaving us, right? Super quick, super fast, unpredictable. It feels like we've just had ten years of stuff happen. Uh, all at once. And we're kind of like, what is going on here? Everything's moving too fast, right? All of us feel it, right? Coronavirus, impeachment. So today I thought we should visit uh, one of the biggest atrocities that we are able to see in front of us with a very special guest who is on the receiving end simply for not answering to anyone but themselves and themselves being what they stand for, how true they are. And, you know, through, I would say all of you, all of my listeners remember that, um, time where it was the first time that I actually did a whole show on just one person. And that was Roger Stone because I found the way, uh, you know, Mueller's team treated him when they wanted to bring him in was just insane. It was a, using a missile to kill a fly scenario. And so I'm bringing on Roger Stone today. Thank goodness, no gag order. So we could talk about a few things a little bit more open. So Roger, welcome to the Tory Says Show. I mean, everyone's really excited to have you here today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I am really grateful to be here. Um, it's an amazing thing that With the blink of an eye, you can lose all of your free speech rights. For 16 months now, the fake news media, principally CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Daily Beast and others, have been disseminating absolutely false disinformation about me and my case. uh, And I have not had any right to respond. Uh, The judge reasoned that any comment by me publicly or in social media would taint the jury in my case, which, of course, does not address whether CNN or Washington Post tainted the jury. So I'm really finally glad to have my opportunity to tell my side of things, because unfortunately, most uninformed Americans are under the impression that I was convicted of Russian collusion of which there was none, and which is not the process crime for which I was convicted. So I'm glad to have the opportunity to set the record straight.
0: Well, Roger, just for the record, I want my listeners to know, me and Roger haven't talked about what, what, like... I want to talk about. I've talked about Roger's case with my audience a lot. And you know what I found curious, Roger, uh, out of everything? So they drag you. Mueller wanted you in this investigation, kind of the same way he put Manafort in the box and General Flynn in the box. They knew they wanted them in a box. They wanted to reverse manufacture charges, right? This is exactly what we were seeing. Um, I mean, this is my analysis of it and they drag you in and they reverse it. And obviously they gag you while they do it because I've, I've had on the receiving end, an attempt to gag me too. So it's happened before and it happens all the time. And what's crazy is, is that they bring you in with Russia collusion yet right now, Roger, I don't know if you know, but Mueller since uh, I think it was like August of 2016 was well aware that I had in my possessions portions of the DNC mirrored server in February and March. Did you know that? I did not. And when my private life was collapsing, the same exact day, not without a minute of separation, I was served by Barack Hussein Obama's attorney 3 years later to come and talk about it. Did you know that?
1: did not know that
0: either yeah and you know what's so funny they thought that someone like me would be stupid enough to still have the computer i mean does hillary own hammers only does she have like the patent to using hammers the minute i released all of that information to the department of justice i have nothing to provide but he knew that was i called into the Mueller investigation no i was not But you were, and you had none of that. You had nothing, and all you had was being you. Uh, So tell me, you know, what did you feel when, you know, he subpoenaed you and brought you in? How was that hot box?
1: Well, first of all, I was, I was, uh, I never testified uh, before the grand jury. I was never questioned by uh, Mueller or his uh, hit squad. Uh, and I was never questioned by the FBI. By the way, if you just do a quick Google search, you can find numerous stories that say Stone was convicted of lying to the FBI. In fact, I, I, on the advice of counsel, I never spoke to any of them. I was hot but we'll come back to that later.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. You what are-
1: happened here is that for a year, a solid year, uh, a monolithic fake news press continued to openly uh, use illegal leaks from the Mueller investigation to predict that I would be charged with treason, espionage, receipt of stolen cyber documents, uh, uh, money laundering, wire fraud, mail fraud, uh, and uh, uh, defrauding the United States of America. As you know, I was not charged with any of those things because there is no evidence that I engaged in any of those things because I didn't. So at the end of the day, after basically lying to a federal judge, multiple federal judges, in order to get a uh, search warrant, claiming to the court that they had evidence or probable cause for any of those crimes, when all they had was my very public Twitter feed, which was based either on public information or a couple very good tips that I got, uh, they have they get this extraordinarily invasive process in which they look at every. Single corner of your life, your business life, your political life, your social life, your family life, your sex life, uh, every aspect, of your financial life, particularly, looking for something, anything that they can hold over your head. Of course, they found no Russian collusion because there was no Russian collusion. And they found no transfer of information from WikiLeaks or Julian Assange because there was none and they found no communications with Julian Assange or WikiLeaks other than the one uh, Twitter direct message, which I turned over to the House Intelligence Committee at the time I testified and which was benign. They told me to bug off. So uh, what do they do? Andrew Weissman, epically corrupt federal prosecutor, uh, a sadist, uh, a man with serious problems.
0: Also involved in Enron. Let's not forget that.
1: You know, and he is the one who, you know, from the meta tags on my indictment, that he wrote my indictment, which is extraordinarily contrived. They come up with the idea that I lied to Congress about the Trump campaign's interest in the WikiLeaks disclosures, which is not a secret because Donald Trump candidate has mentioned it on 142 occasions in both September and October. That statistic comes from MSNBC, by the way. So there's no underlying crime for me to have lied about, therefore there is no motive for me to lie. Additionally, I went to the House Intelligence Committee voluntarily, not with a subpoena. Who goes voluntarily and lies, puts himself in jeopardy, no one. I stayed an extra hour and I answered every question honestly. So the the, the immaterial questions I was charged with lying about were all asked by Adam Schiff and they were all uh, prepared in coordination between the special counsel's office, who had my emails, and Adam Schiff. And they were all immaterial, such as, I'll give you an example. Do you remember getting an email from Steve Bannon on August 2nd? No, I don't. Aha, you lied. I said, yeah, but the email is about a story in that morning's Washington Post. It doesn't matter. You lie. I mean, it's a perfect example of the kind of nonsense. Uh, and what this was really about, because you're right, they charged me long after they knew there was no Russian collusion, was to pressure me, which they did on July 24th of 2019, that they would uh, essentially give me a much much lesser jail term if I would testify against the president regarding the 36 private phone calls I had with him during 2016. So, and I refused. So ro-
0: they, had ro- the phone
1: records, they had the phone records so they knew that the – Phone calls had taken place, but they did not have recordings or monitoring of the calls. And they essentially wanted me to, quote, unquote, come clean and tell the truth. These calls were about coordination with the Russians, weren't they? No, they weren't. And I was I refused to say that.
0: Well, Roger. Um, so, just for people to understand what Roger is saying, I'll make it a little bit simpler. So, I took on some guy that thinks he's a big shot, an attorney general, and he came to me and gave me a voluntary, you know, voluntary assurance document. He said, "Sign this, and I'll and I'll leave you alone. Don't worry about it. I'll just leave you alone. Just admit to this." And I was like, "Are you kidding? No, I'd rather burn in flames." So, like you, they knew that you would not agree to anything. They reverse engineer, I've been the victim of that too, where they try to find anything they can to find a criminal charge. Now, in your case they were able to, under the guise of Mueller, pretend there was a criminal charge right? And because we all know that you can indict a ham sandwich if you really want to. I mean, look at Rosemary Collier. She's so corrupt. The same woman that allowed Brennan and Clapper and before that, Hayden, to completely rape the NSA system and, you know, violate sections 702s was the same judge that signed off on the FISA uh, for Carter Page. So we'll get to the judges later. The point is what they did to you, they went criminal because they could or else they would have just buried you in civil litigation for, I don't know, not putting a pencil in place. Now, just for the record, I'm going to tell you that the calls they probably already have. But the thing is they can't admit that they've been monitoring through channels that they have with the CN- with the NSA um, to put them forward. So they needed you on the record claiming it because they supposedly don't have them. So this is how they work. This is how they operate. And this is how Adam Schiff manufactured – reverse-manufactured a whistleblower because it was basically a wiretap. And that is all coming to fruition because there was a pen register on Manafort the day of the Trump Tower meeting. You know that, right? Loretta Lynch heard everything in that meeting, and yet they made up this fake story when we can release the tape if we really wanted to. So what they did to you was put you in a box because they already knew what you stood for. They've seen it from Nixon until today. Um, to strangulate you and say, "Look, you either pick the easy way or the not easy way." And they could have done that in the beginning, but they already knew your answer. So, speaking of not, you know, bearing false witness, I mean, I think we both share a common period of when we both fell in love with President Trump, and at that time, he was just Donald Trump. Uh, for me, I was a kid, not even a teenager. A couple of days prior to me seeing what he had done, I had run into him and spilled coffee on the street, because I'm from New York, on his friends. I didn't know who he was. I was a kid. I was in a diner right there on 55th, and I was the newspaper was there, and I saw some advertisements. And I was like, whoa. And my father points out, wow, is this like about the USSR? And I was like, oh, you know what this says? This means that maybe Ronald Reagan's not running the ship. It sounds like Bush is. And I think that's the time that you kind of fell in love with Donald Trump, too, didn't you? At the time of those Uh, ads.
1: I think I I go back a little earlier. In 1979, I was sent to New York uh, to organize Governor Ronald Reagan's second campaign for president. Uh, I was handling the states of New York, New Jersey and Connecticut, my native state. Uh, And I was referred to Donald Trump as someone who might be willing to join the Reagan Finance Committee and I wangled an invitation to meet him, or uh, an appointment to meet him, uh, and I was told by his very capable assistant, Norma Federer, may she rest in peace, that Mr. Trump was very busy, and, and that I would that I would have 10 minutes at the most, uh, and that I should state my business and leave. And I said, I got it. Um, and then I, I met uh, Donald, who told me from that point to call him Donald, uh, and uh, we ended up talking politics for almost two hours. Uh, Trump knew politics like he knew baseball. He knew far more about it, you know, just as an enthusiast uh, than you might imagine. And I was pitching Reagan, and he had all the obvious questions. I like Reagan, but is he too old? Um, What about George Bush? What about Howard Baker? What about John Connolly? Can Reagan still carry California? Do you really think you have a shot in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida? I mean... Trump knew exactly how to add 270 electoral votes. He is he is more, far more politically savvy for a non-politician than you might think. Uh, and we formed an, an immediate friendship. He and his father joined the Reagan Finance Committee. They each raised $100,000 in what were then $1,000 contributions, which is huge money in 1979. But from that point on, Donald felt that he had a like an investment And he liked checking on his investments. So he would usually call a couple times a week and ask for the latest polling, ask me how things looked. Uh, He was very excited about Reagan's election. He was in the Waldorf uh, at Reagan's table the night Reagan announced his endorsement. So for those in the movement who in 2015 were questioning whether Donald was a conservative, he has always been a conservative. His father, Fred Trump, was a huge financial supporter of Barry Goldwater. Uh, and the Billy Graham Crusades, uh, and I believe the John Birch Society, actually. So uh, he comes from a long line of Republicans. Both his parents were Republicans. Uh, and uh, after Reagan was elected, and I elected not to join the Reagan administration and formed a public affairs consulting firm, uh, the Trump Organization hired me as my first client. Uh, and I did a, a very, various kind of mundane Washington chores for him that had to do with construction or or casino regulation and so on but by 1988 we were sitting in his office he was thumbing through the New York Times he looked up to me and he said George Bush or Michael Dukakis what a terrible choice surely there's got to be somebody better and i said well there is and he said who's that and i said you and he said and i quote You're out of your mind. And I said, no, you could do the job. He said, I know I could do the job, but why would I want to be a politician? I like building buildings. I like real estate. I like what I do. Uh, Who wants to live in that fishbowl? Who wants to take that abuse? He says, "The the only way I would run for president was if I thought I had a good shot to win, and if things got so bad in the country that I really had no choice. Guess what? That time came in 2016. He looked at it in 2000, he looked at it in 2012, but in all truth, as much as I wanted him to run and urged him to run, the timing was not right. 2016 was the perfect time when the times met the man. He was exactly the right person at the right time, and I'll tell you why. Because he is completely independent. He is the first person who has gotten to the White House without owing anybody, no special interest, nobody but the American people. He answers only to the American people. Nobody can boss Donald Trump. Nobody can bully Donald Trump. Nobody can can uh, change his mind. He is he is uh, completely independent and his own man. And he makes judgments based solely on what is best for the country and for the taxpayers. He has a, a deep uh, affection and respect for our military and for our law enforcement. That's a refreshing change. Uh, and he feels the government hasn't had their back. He is a true patriot. He has a pragmatic side. He wants to try what works. Uh, but he also has fundamental conservative principles. He wants low taxes. He wants lower regulation. He wants a strong military as a deterrent. He believes in peace through strength, not foreign adventurism, where we stick our nose in every foreign war that where we have no inherent national interest. So he, I actually believe he's been put in this position by God that he, he, as an ego matter, he never needed to run for president to be somebody. He already was somebody. He didn't need a bigger house or a nicer plane. He already had a great house and a great plane. He didn't need a great life. He had a great life. He could play golf whenever he wanted. He loves real estate. He loves deal making. He's not doing this for him. In fact, The presidency is costing him billions, billions of dollars in opportunity. Uh, He's doing it for us. He's doing it at great sacrifice. And in my opinion, he's doing an amazing job. He did what they said could not be done. He brought the American economy roaring back, stronger and more prosperous than ever. It has been destroyed by a Chinese virus that was either brought here advertently or inadvertently. And mark my words, he will rebuild our economy before this election and bring America back stronger and more prosperous than ever before.
0: I mean, I I 100% agree with you, Roger, because the thing that President Trump, why he was so great when he came in, and it's always about timing. And this is why I guess our conversation is perfect timing too, considering, uh, you know, Uh, timing, right? But what was great is, I mean, people don't seem to understand that he was able to maneuver the New York real estate uh, you know domain that was like mafioso on steroids you had to play politics you had to do eggshells and he was winning a hundred times when he was broke broke he was going bankrupt he had brought in a bunch of investors right a bunch of investors to sit down and listen about buying some property he had and instead of selling him that property so he avoids bankruptcy he sold him on the idea of the west side do you remember that like that but was I, like I, he, I really right. Do.
1: Listen, when if you compare dealing with the Russians and the Chinese with dealing with the Manhattan real estate moguls, the Manhattan crowd is far more cutthroat and tougher. Right, Donald Trump is literally the toughest man I have ever known. Now that's saying a lot. Remember, I worked for Richard Nixon. I worked for Senator Bob Dole. Both great patriots. Both uh, both very, very tough guys.
0: And they People still were spit out, too. Donald Trump is.
1: They don't understand how stubborn he is, and I mean that in a positive sense. When he sets his mind to do something that he thinks is right, there is no talking him out of it. It, it just cannot be done. He, he's very focused. He has amazing personal stamina. Uh, he has great energy, uh, and he is way smarter than these fake media types Think in terms of understanding the news cycle and the games they play. Uh, he's exactly the right man a- a- at the right time. Uh, and he because he has no because there's no influence on him from the globalists, that's precisely why they are desperate to remove him. That's why they hooked up the fake Russian collusion hoax. It's why they manufactured this Ukrainian collusion hoax. They want to get rid of a guy who wants to stop this country from hurtling over the cliff to globalism. Uh, and so far, he's beaten them at every turn and he's poised to beat them again. And they are apoplectic. The Democratic Party has no program. What's their program for job creation? What's their program for tax relief? What's their program for, 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 uh, for, uh, uh, uh for, uh, criminal justice? What's their program for our military? what's their program for for health care other than socialism? They don't even offer a program. let me sum up the Democrats platform. We hate Donald Trump there it is a That's hundred. Their
0: plan. A hundred percent. And the thing is, you know, I can only imagine how frustrated he is being able to come out the the actual pit where people cut throats in New York, right? They literally cut throats uh, of that property game because being in New York, I mean, you know, I frequented the fashion district because my father's businesses were there. I know exactly how that works. I mean, on a lower scale, I'm not any Trump by any means. But if he can do that, imagine him applying the same strategy right now to the to the country. And he is really trying, but you know what he's up against? corrupt systems. And my listeners have heard me say again and again, three branches of government, right? We've got executive, uh legislative and judicial. Now the legislative, you're summing it up right there, is they have absolutely zero. I mean, they're still auditioning to see who's going to be president. Biden's literally a placeholder right now because he has no brain to stand on. But what he is up against is a corrupt judicial arm. See, we know the legislative branch right now is compromised. Okay, look who's holding the gavel. But right now, the judicial branch is the most corrupt arm we have. Because here's here's the thing that people don't realize, that justice is supposed to be blind. But we're going to see I mean, SCOTUS Gate needs to happen and it's going to pale to Watergate and everything else. But what's happening to you is exactly what's probably happened on smaller scales across America. And, you know, a lot of people don't seem to realize that corrupt clowns weaponize the courts against the people to silence them. For you, for example, like I said, there's many people Mueller could have pulled into this investigation and someone might say, well, maybe he wasn't aware of, you know, all these people or whatever might have been involved or, you know, we can, I don't know. Do you want to talk about Seth Rich? I mean, do you want to or no? No. I really
1: don't. I don't think we need to. We don't really there.
0: need to. We don't need to go there. But there's 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 a lot so of people.
1: There's so much regarding my own case that I, I want people to understand uh, that, and we have limited time, as you know. But from the very beginning, I was essentially, I was confident that I could be acquitted when I was charged. Everybody knows that that the FBI showed up with twenty nine heavily armed. SWAT-clad agents surrounding my home at 6 o'clock in the morning. They arrived in 17 armored vehicles. There was a government helicopter overhead. There were two amphibious units with frogmen jumping off, uh, armed uh, on the canal behind my house. They brought a battering ram up to my front door. They had a canine unit there in case I tried to flee. They had talked to my lawyers, the the, the special counsel, the day before, If they were going to charge me, all they had to say is, we're going to charge your client, please bring him in. And I would have gone in. But we had to put on this show. And I had a tip from inside CNN that this was coming. Uh, Therefore, I set my alarm at 5 o'clock in the morning. I got up and took a shower. I put on my Roger Stone did nothing wrong t-shirt. And I sat in an upper bathroom window where you could see the entire front yard waiting. And 15 minutes before the FBI arrived, a CNN camera crew showed up and set up their camera stand 25 feet from my front door. I didn't know at the time, but I learned later my, my dead-end street had already been sealed off. Nobody else was permitted in other than CNN. When the FBI arrived with this massive show of force, they pounded on the door, uh, they Uh, I answered the door. I don't know why they needed the battering ram. They said, are you Roger Stone? I am. They said, we have a warrant uh, for your arrest and we have a warrant to search these premises. Please step outside, put your hands behind your back. I did. They handcuffed me. I was frog marched out to the middle of the street in front of my house. Uh, They went upstairs and rousted my wife from bed. She is hearing impaired. So she was very confused. She didn't know if it was a home invasion. She had no idea what was going on. They frog-marched her out into the middle of the street in her bare feet and her night clothes. She's committed no crime. Uh, And they then, for the next 13 hours, brought in these big trucks and tents and went through every inch of my house. If there was a picture hanging on the wall, they cut out the back of the picture to make sure I wasn't hiding something in the frame. They went through every one of my books, and I have hundreds of them, to see if there was anything inside, uh, a computer file and so on. You know what they found? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Because they had already looked at all my emails and all of my text messages and all my phone calls on the basis of their false claims to a federal judge that they had probable cause for money laundering uh, and cyber crimes and all these other things that they had no evidence of. Uh, And um, they spent, it it is estimated, $1.1 million on this raid because the government was shut down and all those agents were there on time and a half, uh, for what? To put on a show for CNN? I could have turned myself in and I would have, and they knew that. Oh, they said, you were a flight risk. We had to arrest you in this way. Really? I have no passport. I don't own a gun. And three hours later, when I was arraigned, they asked for no cash bond, which means they never believed I was a flight risk. To this day, we do not know who in the FBI approved this raid because the FBI refuses a freedom of information request from Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch, who is now suing to get those documents. My guess is that Christopher Wray approved this raid, and Christopher Wray, who has been fighting uh, in court to keep secret documents that the Clinton campaign gave the FBI in 2016, should be removed, in my opinion.
0: Well, Roger, I want to say that I'm glad that you were alerted prior to this. Because for me, watching it, first of all, seeing CNN with like a, oh yeah, we just happen to be in the neighborhood with a lawn chair and we're just going to set it up. I want to know if any of us are going to get a tip to be with a lawn chair and a camera when they, you know, come down on Brennan and on Comey and the rest of them. I want to see if we get it. Because for me, the concern was one, you know, if you're waking up in the middle of the night and you've got people. People pointing things at you uh you're gonna respond because you're half asleep don't know what's going on right and your wife being hearing impaired that's even way that could have gone south super quick so i'm kind of glad that there was a little bit of uh you know Hey, because that was, I was terrified that that was the desired outcome. This morbid scenario of you waking up in the middle of the night with something in your face and being one of those people, like many are, that have, you know, a handgun at reach. You know what I mean? It could have gone pear shaped real quick, or you didn't even need to have one. And they would have been like, oh, he moved his hand under the pillow. How do I know? You know, and you're done. That's how I saw it. I'm just telling you from a sp- spectator position, how I saw it. Now, speaking of Christopher Ray, you'll be surprised how many things he is obfuscating and roadblocking, um, specifically uh, questions that I have placed as FOIA requests, which is something that I wanted to bring to your attention. So as you know, uh, you know, it's been all over the news that your jury, you know, first of all, your judge is just horrific. Uh, you know, the bench under her tushy should be trembling right now because it's, she's like, Almost like Judge Collier, in my eyes. She shouldn't even be sitting on a bench. But the jury selection is something that people don't think about. I mean, I mean, what have you heard from your, you know, and I'm kind of shocked. I'm just going to be, I, this is kind of like calling people to the carpet without doing so. But you're surrounded with great minds within media, political analysts, lobbyists, and even politicians, um, active and not, that could have could tell you what I'm about to tell you. I mean, for me, I have insider knowledge because I actually worked for the company that owns the company. But before I get there, I want to ask you, how do you think your jury pool was selected?
1: Well, obviously, I don't know. I do know that based on the statistics on the District of Columbia, that the statistical improbability of my jury having a single Republican should be impossible. The statistical impossibility of my jury having a single military veteran should be impossible. The statistical possibility of my jury having no jurors with less than a college education is impossible. Uh, But that was the case. Uh, So um, when we learned the jury pool, uh, which I'm not really allowed to speak about too specifically because it's under seal, we recognized that there were no potentially Sympathetic jurors there. There was basically one Republican who had worked in the Reagan administration in the jury pool. The government used a preemptory challenge to knock them out. Uh, I always knew that this would be extraordinarily uphill, but I still wasn't going to plead guilty. It was only after the trial that we learned that the jury forewoman, who we knew was a Democrat who would run for Congress, but the judge had already ruled that political opposition to uh, Donald Trump or to the Republican Party did not constitute a grounds to be dismissed. So that argument would go nowhere. Uh, But we did not know that in 2019, she had posted on social media specific attacks on me the day I was arrested and subsequently, and a series of attacks on Donald Trump, including calling him the Klansman president and saying that all of his supporters, that would be me, are racists. That alone should have entitled me to a new trial. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that every defendant is entitled to a jury that is indifferent uh, and, and impartial. Uh, she was neither impartial nor indifferent. I thought that our motion was extremely well crafted. Unfortunately, it was rejected by Judge Jackson. Uh, it is obviously, a, should it come to pass, a very strong issue on appeal. Legal experts as diverse as Professor Jonathan Turley, who's by no means a conservative or a Republican or a Trump supporter, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's not a Trump supporter but a libertarian, and Alan Dershowitz, who's a liberal Democrat, all agree uh, that I'm entitled to a new trial. But unfortunately, Judge Jackson saw it otherwise, and in her order issued last Thursday, ordered me to uh, turn myself over to the Department of Corrections next. Thursday.
0: So okay, so here's here's what I want to tell you. So there's a, again, maybe the right question needs to be asked. So, uh, like my audience knows, and I knew, and I don't know if you know, but I worked for Global Strategies Group, which is based out of Luxembourg, not London, and it is a company that was created by John Brennan. Uh, I was actually working through Tac Global, Tac Tac Global through GSG Direct. I actually had a twenty-year, uh, you know, gag on me. To be able to, like it expired after 20 years to date, that actually expired just about a week and a half ago. And so the one thing this company does is um, what I like to call reality hacking. We use quantum computing, uh, predictive analyses, and what we say is we want this to happen. So what variables do we need to make it happen, right? Right. And a lot of people have various ways of using this. We see this in many aspects of our operations, you know, predictive analyses. Well, what if I told you, Roger, that your jury was uh, actually selected? The jury pool, the grander jury pool, right? Before the vo- uh, voir dire, as they say, where you kind of select and approve and deny, right? The the majority of it was actually plugged into a program, right, by a specific company that has multiple government contracts, right? And I still don't know why these vendors are still working under a Trump administration, which drives me insane. Uh, So this company plugged in, we want Roger Stone to be found guilty on anything. And so this program... Actually works it back through all the input. So, you know, the granny that's somewhere in D.C. that's on Medicare that walks to the store every day to pick up a banana, the teacher at the international school at the Foggy Bottom, all of these people were pulled into your jury pool. But see, this program wanted to select a jury pool that would get you a guilty verdict no matter what. Hence, the odds, like you say, are so far-fetched. So the question I would say, because I've tried this already, just saying, uh, Roger, I've done this myself and I haven't even received an acknowledgement of receipt of my open records request, FOIA request, is may I know the name of the company that you use for your your master jury wheel. Because in mathematics, uh, a random number cannot be generated by a computer because it needs an algorithm that dictates how a random number happens. So it is 2020, and it's not like they have a bingo wheel where they just pull a name out of the hat. It's actually done electronically. And you can manipulate these variables in order to ensure the most probability for your outcome. So the question is who was the company? who was the vendor that was used to select your greater pool for the jury and if your you know lawyer was to able to uh, able to find that or ask that question I would not be surprised if you see the name General Hayden hop up because this is how they get the outcomes they want. This is how they got Manafort in a box. This is how they selected the people they selected to put in there. And how do I know this? Because up until February, I had my own username and password to access the system to see the order requests. And I've made that clear. So, you know, how would you feel to know that a company was actually sourced to push out and select your jury pool and it wasn't so random? Would that, you think, change the judge's, uh, you know, idea of sentencing you? What do you think? If, if that actually came to fruition and you found this, what do you I think the think, judge would do? I,
1: I don't think it would change anything in terms of the judge's decision because as uh, Professor Turley has written – her decision was so contorted and wrong uh, that it was that it is extraordinarily vulnerable on appeal. Uh, I do think it might strengthen my uh, the possibility of my appeal it, should that become necessary. I will never plead guilty to something I didn't do. Uh, it's a matter that does require some research, and I appreciate you bringing it up.
0: Yeah, no, it is. And I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you this, Roger, your case will blow the top off of every single case you've seen from the way the grand juries were selected so that Mueller can get his little subpoenas, his secret subpoenas, because we know Mueller, he's always overextended himself on the way he offers. Remember the NSL letters that he was handing out like candy back in the day? Do you remember that scandal? where yeah i mean this guy is as dirty as it comes him and comey were a team back during the bush administration i mean they work like this and the thing is these people are still working and having contracts with our agencies under the trump administration which i'm pretty sure the president is probably pulling his hair too at some point saying like why can't we get rid of these people but the thing is your case is going to show this If he is
1: even aware of it. Look, I think Donald Trump is a great man. But unlike, say, Lyndon Johnson or Richard Nixon, who came to the presidency with a deep experience in Washington and an understanding of how the system works, Donald Trump's a businessman. It was not unreasonable for him to think that after he was elected, the country would come together and get behind the duly elected president for the good of the country. We always have. I didn't like Barack Obama, uh, but I didn't start trying to impeach him from the day he was elected. Uh, and I never went along with the uh, with the so-called birther movement. Uh, I didn't like Bill Clinton, and I thought the idea of trying to impeach him for having sex with an intern in the Oval Office was stupid, was overreach, and it blew up in the Republicans' face. But this is a different kettle of fish because the Bushes uh, and the Clintons uh, and the McCains and the Obamas are all in the same group. They're all part of the two-party duopoly of neocons, That have run this country into the ditch. Donald Trump is not in their club. He doesn't, he is not owned by anybody. He is a true independent, and that's why he poses such a great danger to the political establishment. That's why they have gone to these lengths to try to remove him.
0: Yeah, no, they do. And the thing is, your case, I know, I hate to say this, General Flynn as well. I i, I think from back in uh, 2017, I was saying, dude, the 302s are manufactured. Why didn't anyone in the grand jury ask to see the 302s? Why didn't anyone in the, well? I mean, we all know that they can indict a ham sandwich, right? President Trump is aware of that too. But like you said, he can't have his eyes everywhere, but I'm pretty sure he sees everything. And the question is, our intelligence community right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. With CGI, TAC, you know, we've got, um, what is it, Uh, (laughs) uh, PSYOP, right? We have uh, Wiki. We have – so many other companies that seem to uh, create these predictive analytics. I mean, you know, the people that actually work for the government right now have uh, predictive analytic programs to run all their social media, all their private information, healthcare records, a whole nine yards. And a company is literally paid to churn out a percentage of how much of a good egg they are that they can stay in the intel community. Well, this is they want good egg. What are the variables? This. This is what they did to you. Roger, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but I am convinced that your case and this judge are going to be what blows everything open, wide open on how the judicial system has been corrupt from the get-go by the use of these private vendors outsourcing our intelligence and creating these voter wheels, you know, the, the, where they take all the names of the, the voter rolls and IDs and licenses to be the jury pool, and then they air quote, randomly select. I mean, I know I, you don't want to hear this. You're like, man, I don't want to be on the chopping block, but because you did nothing wrong, this makes it even better. Uh, you know, for people to see. Because once it comes out into the ether, that these private companies that are packed with generals, former NSA, I mean, IG of the NSA right now, Stork, knows exactly what I'm talking about because he should be next on the chopping block. Because what they use and the information they use to pull your jury pool was atrocious. And the fact that the judge already knows who and what they use to pull the jury pool is atrocious too. So she can't give you a trial saying, oh, you know, Oh, maybe we should have a fresh new trial because the jury pool, because then that's her admitting that she knew that they're using that specific company, which by the way, has a never Trumper on their board that helped select the jury pool. And you know, that is the bottom line. They put you in a box because you're the only person they can't touch. Roger, you don't abide by anybody you don't work with the cabal you don't work with the good you work in the middle because you've always been a centrist always been a centrist and they can't touch you and so ergo (laughs) you are one of their public enemy number one for them because you can bring the house down and this is exactly what you're doing while they think they're winning so I mean, we only have like 10 minutes left, and the one thing that I wanted you to touch upon, a little bit more detail if you can, is how your hotbox conversation happened. Like, you know, Mueller calls you in and you sit down. Did he put you in that room with the light, or was it like documents? Uh, like, how was it? Because I'm sure people want to know uh, what it's like to be uh, used as uh, as a pawn for the cabal, because that's what they are. They're using you to get to the president. Uh, how? I know my listeners want to know this. Explain to them what the whole process is so they understand what it is.
1: Well, it it wasn't um, it wasn't done the traditional way. I was, um, as you know, gagged um, repeatedly. They kept extending and broadening the gag largely because I kept saying that the Russians had never hacked the DNC and there was no forensic evidence to that uh, 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 case. Other than the uh, the unredacted, uh, pardon me, the redacted draft report from CrowdStrike, which was not an independent arbiter of that question, the FBI had never uh, examined the servers of the DNC. So the underpinning premise of my indictment was false. They needed me to stop saying that in public, so the judge tightened the gag order on me. Uh, I appealed that to the circuit. The circuit sat on my appeal for three months and then ruled against me, not on constitutional grounds, but on procedural grounds. I should have asked Judge Jackson to remove the gag, as if that would have worked. Uh, They were really just stalling to get me to trial without being able to speak. But on the 24th of July, uh, when when the judge tightened the gag order on me and threatened to put me in prison if I broke it again, Uh, they asked one of my lawyers just to meet with them privately. Uh, He did. And at that meeting, Jeannie Ray, who was heading the investigation into Roger Stone, previously Hillary Clinton's lawyer and a lawyer representing the Clinton Foundation, no prosecutorial experience, but came out of the Mueller law firm, basically said to my lawyer, look, uh, we have these phone records. Stone talked to Trump 36 times in 2016 all of these phone calls were over 30 minutes. It's time for your client to tell the truth. He needs to come clean. He needs to tell us what we want to hear, the truth about what these calls were about, and we could work things out. And my lawyer said, Well, I'll have to, uh, you know, I, I have to speak to my client. And they said, Well, step into the hallway and call your client. And he called me and he said, This is what they proposed. And I've said, No. Uh, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you by memory what every one of those calls were about, but I know that none of them were about coordinating with the Russians. Period. And I'm not going to say that because it's not true. And being a lawyer, he said, "Well, you ought to think about this very carefully. You know, they could they could bring a superseding indictment against you for additional charges uh, and make this really unpleasant if you don't play ball." And I said, "Well, I'm sorry, but we have to decline. I am not doing that." And I knew then that I would go to trial. And I knew that my odds of winning a trial were pretty slim. But I have to live with myself and my God and my country. uh, And I was just not going to turn my back on the president of the United States, who I think is in the middle of saving this country. It it is that simple. It was a gut-wrenching decision for people on my team. It was not a gut-wrenching decision for me. I had members of my own family, not my wife, but others who said, you know, maybe you should consider this. No, I was not going to be Michael Cohn, zero chance, sorry. Uh, and that's precisely how it went down.
0: Yeah, no, and that's usually how hotbox moments have. They're like, you want to save your skin, and that's the thing. I am shocked that you are surrounded with so many great minds that have access to the same information, maybe not the same way I have access to it, uh, but they have the same information that I have giving you that the reason your jury pool was tainted was because of the company that was sourced to randomly select them, and none of them told you, and you do you know why? Because it's the one thing I loathe, which Uh, you know, you and I see eye to eye. Saving your own skin. You know, self-preservation is the worst quality a human being can have where they can sell their mother just to preserve themselves. And that is how I see the people in your orbit that do it. That's the same thing I saw with Laura Loomer, right? We have her as a common, you know, friend. You know, she was thrown into the dark corners of uh, you know cyberspace and yet she's still shining, right? Why, why didn't any of her friends talk about it? Why didn't any of them say something? Oh, because they want to preserve themselves. They want their jobs is what they said. Or, or you know, I can't touch this because of this. And what people don't seem to understand is Laura Loomer is you, <laughs> in a way, how I see it, uh, you know, 50 somewhat years ago. And, you know, she is the, the best voice right now that we have as you are, because you're standing for the same thing all your life. And that is your moral compass, your, you know, boundaries. And right now you're being set on fire by the cabal because you refuse to use that self preservation, you know, gene that every single human being has because it's not the right thing to do. And for me, you know, watching you even and listening to you on different, you know, radio shows on TV, where there's most of these people already know some of them actually work with the company that actually pulled your jury pool, Roger. And it, that's the point where I want to take my shoe off and knock it over to whatever device I'm listening to because I get so frustrated. So you Right now are in a corner and you're awaiting sentencing, but hopefully the manifestation of this company and the connections it has to Muller, to Brennan, to Clapper, to Comey will all come to surface too. And it'll be realized that it was a fix from the beginning, a fix for Cohen and Cohen cracked, a fix for Manafort, and he stood that's how you see the morality of each person. am am I wrong? And the only thing, I mean, what are you hoping can happen right now when you go in for sentencing? I mean, without even considering that possibly someone is digging into that company right now, what, what is your best hope out of this? What do you tell the people aside the fact that they all know you did nothing wrong? What do you hope happens?
1: Look, I, I am obviously hoping from, for some executive relief from the president. I have not been promised a pardon. I have not formally requested or informally requested a pardon, but I think people understand that I am praying to God for one. The president's made very clear that he knows that my my case and trial was a travesty of justice. He has, which is his First Amendment right, uh, complained about the jury misconduct. Uh, I've seen all these mainstream media outlets saying, He is interfering in the judicial process. No, he's exercising the same First Amendment rights that every American has to comment on corruption when he sees it. He has that right. He's the president of the United States, but he's also a U.S. citizen. So, uh, you know, all I can do is pray. All I can do is ask others to pray. All I can ask people to do is to go to freerogerstone.com and sign a petition to the president. That's freeriderstone.com. All I can do is raise money for a possible appeal, perhaps using some of the issues you have raised today. Uh, you do that by going to stonedefensefund.com. I raised and spent $2 million from 65,000 Americans for my first trial. The cupboards are bare at this point. I am personally indigent. I've lost my home my insurance, my savings, my car, my ability to make a living because I was gagged. Uh, but I will not fold. I will continue to fight. If I have to appeal, I will appeal. Uh, I am praying that the president will do the right thing. I have no inside word. There is no deal or anything of that kind. I think that must be, there must be justice for General Flynn. If anybody got screwed worse than I did, he did. He is a great American patriot who served his country with distinction. He was targeted by the Clintons and the Obamas because he refused to stop talking about the dangers of Islamic radicalism and terrorism. Uh, And what has happened to him is an absolute disgrace. The difference is that he should never have pled guilty to something he didn't do. I would never plead guilty to something that I would not do. What I ask now of your listeners, more than anything else, is to pray for me pray for my wife who is not well, pray for my family, pray for justice, pray that the president has the wisdom, that God gives him the wisdom to make a good decision uh, in the name of both mercy and justice. That's where my head is today.
0: Well, everyone is praying for you, Roger. And with only a minute left, I just uh, – everybody knows I talk about you. I talk about General Flynn. And uh, Manafort, I haven't even got to yet because that's going to be a little bit more uh, intricate and fun. But – um <laughs> what we're going to see hopefully very soon is the mask pulled down from the control that these, you know, uh, the, this swamp has, and you know, it's coming from me, the mud monster uh, that, that this company, Hey, if for all of you DMing and everything, if you see the name general Hayden, you got it. That's the company. So this is, this is where we all need to be supporting each other in injustices, no matter what side of the fence you sit on, when our justice cannot be blind, when our justice can be bought, then we have justice no more. And uh, General Flynn, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, and even Cohen, even though he flipped, are prime examples of that. And uh, right after this break, guys, uh, we will be revisiting um, information in regards to General Flynn's case and talk about the convention. Roger Stone, thank you so much for joining us here. I can't wait to have you back. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. This is the second hour. I hope you guys all enjoyed Roger Stone uninterrupted and able to be heard. You know, I don't cut off my guests. Ever. And I always make sure that um, everybody has a way to be heard. Now, before we get into the little tidbits that I want you guys to revisit from that interview, but also for you to understand more and have context of exactly what he was telling you and why he was dragged in, aside from the fact that they just wanted him, I am going to play for you I believe it or not, from DemocracyNow.org, an interview they had with Julian Assange in respects to Roger Stone. So I was going to play this during my interview with Roger. I was really hoping I could get him for two hours, but you know, I couldn't. But the one hour was great because this was the first time that we actually spoke um, in regards to all of these things. Because you know, I. When I'm going to tell the world that our judicial system is duped, like I've said, which is the most corrupt arm of our branch of government right now, and we can thank all the scum that's at the top that did it, right? I need to make sure that it's in the public ether, that they don't use it against him, and that his lawyers start asking questions or someone starts saying, what's the company you used that pulled this jury pool? I want to know. And when you see... That this company, which I know because it was a subsidiary of our company, well, kind of was, right? Because it all leads back to that idiot Brennan. And let me tell you something. Brennan is thick as a brick. Hayden is more dangerous, more conniving, and he's actually a little bit smart. I mean, he's manipulated his way to sit there within the... He's he's like an internode. He's kind of everywhere and sees everything the Trump administration gets. I mean, Stuart, we really need to have that conversation. That IG needs to be sat down. But before we get into all those little pretty details and talk about Christopher Ray. Let's take a listen to how democracy now questioning Julian Assange about Roger Stone will open your eyes after the first hour of this show and what you heard.
2: The things uh, that should be concentrated on not uh, leaping into an insane bout of uh, anti-Russian hysteria.
3: Julian Assange, I wanted to ask you about Roger Stone. In March of 2016, he posted on Facebook that he, quote, never denied that Assange and I had a mutual friend who told me WikiLeaks had the goods on HRC—that's Hillary Rodham Clinton—and would begin disclosures in October. He did and they did. I didn't admit it. I announced it, unquote. In a series of tweets, which he later deleted, Roger Stone also attacked a woman who challenged him on Twitter, writing, quote, you stupid, stupid—b-word—never denied perfectly legal back-channel to Assange, who indeed had the goods on crooked Hillary. Um, I th- now wanted to talk about the latest Roger Stone uh, going uh, to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee. And what came out of that, your response to that?
2: Uh, Roger Stone has been trolling Democrats all his life, and he's doing exactly the same thing in in order to elevate his profile. That's all. Uh, You can look at our statements at the time. Um, He didn't say anything that I hadn't been saying in public at the time.
3: So let me turn to Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff speaking at a hearing. The
2: effectiveness of that trolling just just shows you how mad the, the U.S. political culture has become. I mean, is, is Roger Stone presented as a credible character in his statements? Is that a, credit, is that a credible person? Do Democrats think? He's credible.:
3: Well I think the issue is his closeness to Trump and whether or not you think Trump or Roger Stone is credible um, you, the, look, look,
2: look, look he he's if he had something to worry about, why would he be deliberately playing it up constantly he doesn't have anything to worry about that's, that's why he's playing it up. What do you mean? He doesn't have anything to worry about because there is no back channel. There was never a back channel. We've said at the time he's produced no evidence of it. We've complained about it. Uh, He's simply trolling uh, the the absolute, you know, they want to be trolled. They don't care. They don't care what the truth is at all. All they want is some little propaganda point that they can use to somehow uh, satisfy their ridiculous fantasies about taking down Trump in relation to Russia. And if Roger Stone is going to help with that, uh, they will give him a massive platform. And that's exactly what they've done. He sold a lot of books uh, as a result. I mean, you have to admire the chutzpah uh, and the, I suppose the cleverness uh, at which he's done it.
0: Listen, did you hear what Julian Assange said? He had nothing to worry about. So what does he care? But what did they do? Like I said during my interview, I was the one that had parts of the DNC server. I don't work with Julian Assange. I don't work with him at all. He's not my friend. We don't communicate. And yet, you know, he he was pulled into this and I wasn't and so that tells you everything you need to know they pulled in people that were public enough and couldn't point the finger because if Mueller brought me in I would be pointing fingers like nobody's business if they called me into the Senate Intel Committee or the Congressional Intel Committee I would probably sit there and say the blackmail that I've seen on them so this is how you know that this is all a sham why bring Roger Stone when you know know there was no back channel why put him in that box when you know there was Because they were just trying to weaponize the publicized relationship that he has had for decades with the president and they try to use utilize that as a weapon. And the one thing that they should have known by now is that Roger Stone does not flip. Roger Stone doesn't stab in the back. It's kind of like that comic, you know, Spider-Man and the Punisher, right? Uh and it's uh you know uh the um, from 1974-129 where you get introduced to the Punisher. Have you ever read that comic? You should revisit it. Because it's there that you see that the Punisher isn't a bad... He is a nefarious... No, he's not. He's a good character but he's like a vigilante, right? But he doesn't stab people in the back. And I'm not going to say that Roger Stone's the Punisher. But Roger Stone, like I said, picture him. He's walking like a straight line. That's the Roger Stone line. And then you have the Cabal and then, you know, the, 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 Patriots on the other side and none of them know what to make of him because he doesn't b- abide to any of them, but what his moral compass says and it's America first freedom in the constitution. And he does not waver from that. <laughs> and he's extremely controversial. You know, I loved him for his amazing socks. That's the one thing that I, anybody that knows me, I'm like, dude, I love Roger Stone in his socks. Seriously. He's like a sock afic- aficionado, right? Period. So Assange is telling you exactly what happened here. They just boxed him because they wanted to make something up. That's all they could do. They needed something that could seem believable. They needed something that they could use. And, you know, Democracy Now! Panding, you know, Adam Schiff, one of the most corrupt. This is it. They didn't get the real people in there that know what's up. They got the people that they can convince the people of the United States with their big, stupid megaphone called the lamestream fake news media of what's really happening. So shame on every single pundit, every single analyst, a former IC, the whole nine yards that didn't have the cojones to tell Roger Stone what was really going on. Shame on all of them. And, uh, you know. It pains me to see it. But let's listen to a little bit more of this interview, which is quite interesting. And it's from, you know, three years ago.
2: It's in some sense admirable. What, what, what is not admirable, even though it's, it's really irritated us, uh, is the, I don't know, the, the, the slavish reaction uh, of those. You know, he just throws a ball like that. And uh, these mindless mobs uh, of people aligned lying to the Democrats. Uh, and the uh, democratically aligned media in the United States run after it and eventually over the cliff.
3: Well, let me turn to Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff speaking at a hearing of the House Intelligence Committee earlier this year.
4: On August 8th, Roger Stone, a longtime Trump political advisor and self-proclaimed political dirty trickster, boasts in a speech that he has communicated with Assange and that more documents would be coming, including an October surprise. In the middle he also communicates with a Russian cutout, Guccifer II, and authors a Breitbart piece denying Guccifer's links to Russian intelligence. Then later in August, Stone does something truly remarkable when he predicts that John Podesta's personal emails will soon be published. Trust me, he says, it will soon be Tr- Podesta's time in the barrel. Hashtag Crooked Hillary. In the weeks that follow, Stone shows remarkable prescience, I have total confidence that WikiLeaks and my hero Julian Assange will educate the American people soon, he says. Hashtag lock her up. Payload coming, he predicts. And two days later, it does. WikiLeaks releases its first batch of Podesta emails. The release of John Podesta's emails would then continue on a daily basis up until the election.
3: Your response, Julian Assange, to Adam Schiff of the House Intelligence Committee, ranking Democrat?
4: Uh, Schiff is not a credible person.
2: He's, he's just he's just lying uh, in, in order to you know, score political points.
0: I ha- he is a liar. All of them are, li- are liars. General Hayden, liar. General Jones, liar. Brennan, liar. Clapper, liar. Lynch, liar. Schiff, liar. Pelosi, they all lie. So think about it. They, they took him in for Russia, like you said, and they got him on, you forgot your email. God, if you ask me what I ate yesterday, I'll have to pause. And that was yesterday. Ask me what I had this morning. I'll still have to pause. You're going to ask me with someone that I've probably exchanged emails with so many times in my life. Oh, do you remember this email from that point? No, I don't. Oh, You're a liar. That's exactly what happened in this case. Why? Uh, By proxy, guilty by proxy. That's what they want to do. They don't bring in the real people that can speak. They try to squash them with idiot attorney generals. That's what they do. This is how it works. And you know what? It's reality hacking. What I've been telling you, psyops, in other words, you know, lots of people know what a psyop is. Ooh, it's a psychological operation. Yeah. And you are all part of it. Every single one of you listening, every single one of you on Twitter are part of the same psychological operation that is being deployed in different facets. So the first psychological operation that you all know about is the fake news. They say it. They repeat it. It makes sense because, I mean, not everyone would be saying it if it's not true, right? And then you have the next one. Twitter. How do we do it? Oh, we've got bots you know, that have so many followers. Oh, that's bot behavior. Well, you've been trained to be a bot because you're like, follow back, follow back. That way, none of you can see the news. So you're just following back just to follow back. You've just participated in, voila, a PSYOP. And you know why I know that? Because we did the same thing in other countries. We've deployed the same thing. Ask me. When I wanted, when I was assigned to um make a certain person think oh maybe we should look into these hedge funds oh i just happen to be i don't know the the, the the intern running around making photocopies, dropping magazines, articles, papers, leaving stuff accidentally in the printer that would subliminally tell them, maybe you want to look at this country's hedge funds. Look over there. That's how you manipulate someone. That is what a psyop is. And you guys are participating and I'm telling you which one it is. Every single one of you that believe that you need to follow back every single person and that's the only way Twitter works and that you must follow a lot of people in order to be followed because they've convinced you that your follower number, you know, pinpoints what your importance is. You've just introduced yourself to the psyop that Twitter has deployed on you and Twitter has deployed multiple psyops on you. What they called, um, what are they called? Interactive Internet Activities. (laughs) Wait till you hear that one, because that is a specialty. Uh, The same company, well, a subsidiary kind of, not really, company that selectively chose, or wait, let's use an air quote, (laughs) allegedly randomly chose, the jury pool that they can pick from to make sure that Roger Stone was guilty. This is how they operate. It's all an illusion. This is all staged. Every single thing is staged. Nothing is real. The only thing real right now is that the president of the United States is up against all that. And take this (laughs) as you will. If you are participating in a mass, in a mass PSYOP, just the one that I mentioned, which is the IFB PSYOP, which is follow back. I followed you, you follow me or else I'm not following you. You know, that one, you can see that's just one of thousands that have deployed against you. Thousands. And I mentioned this the other day. Thousands. Because if you're following 10,000 people, how much of the news are you really getting? Honestly. If all 10,000 people tweet one tweet a day, are you going to read all 10,000? No. Ergo, you will not be able to find the news from the sources you want to find the news from. So you have just been introduced to the concept that you have been a victim of a PSYOP voluntarily. And those are the best ones because it doesn't even look like you did anything. And that... (laughs) is the way it is and that is how you know Twitter can deploy these you know programs where you know you can't see the replies you can't see the retweets they manipulate the likes you know when you should just focus on what you want to know focus on the facts you want to know instead they've put you in this loop of feeling that you have to do this you must do this it's just follow so what is it Simon says I mean they trained us well when we were young with that that. Game, didn't they? But as you can see, this is exactly what they've been doing. They have been psyoping you while they're trying to usurp our government, right? And all of them are screeching right now. I can tell you that when I, even though I was, you know, talking and interviewing Roger Stone, I could hear butt puckering from the IC community when I pointed out that there's a company that actually pooled the jury because that's a secret nobody wants to tell because you know all your blue check marks oh my god he's so great at commentary then why not mention this a either they don't know and they just pretend to know stuff or b they're part of the psyop too so this is what you need to look at this is why I say most of them are shills you know everyone you know, is sitting there saying, Oh my, for example, right? Newest one. Oh my gosh. You know, uh, the hydroxychloroquine is like, Oh my gosh. So deadly. And, you know, the, I wonder how they pulled these random veterans to check on. It had nothing to do with genetic predisposition. Right. But here's the thing. Why didn't anyone say, yo, Ted Rose that sits at the head of the who is a malaria expert? Malaria expert. How did he not know that hydroxychloroquine can do this? He probably did when they deployed it, but, you know, he's not going to tell anyone. They're going to do a counter just to make sure that this virus populates. Tori, that's crazy. That would mean that they wanted this pandemic to happen. Of course. (laughs) Look how fast you lost your rights. Look how fast you're under every single person's thumb. That's how they play the game. That's how they do it. And once you realize the psyops that they've been executing on us for decades, it all makes sense. And then you can appreciate exactly what the president of the United States is going through. His own people deploying things like this. His own agencies being... uh, what, how can I say um, being held hostage because they have contracts with these agencies. Now, uh, while I was interviewing uh, uh, Roger Stone, Secretary Pompeo made an announcement and I want to play that for us quickly so we can hear what he had to say because um, it's pretty important when he holds a press briefing, right? We love Pompeo. Let's see.
5: We grew by 25%. China, conversely, has been the largest annual emitter since 2006, and it expects that its emissions will continue to grow until around 2030, thus offsetting the progress of countries all around the world in reducing global emissions. I would urge Secretary Gutierrez to make sure that we have the data right, the facts right, about who's actually delivering on the things that we all value. And on Earth Day, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, I think that's especially important. Uh, turning to the World Health Organization. I want to spend a few minutes Uh, telling the American people a little bit more about the problems that we're trying to work our way through. Uh, The WHO has two primary functions. First, it's a regulator uh, and an advisory role, uh, and a health emergency and humanitarian aid operation on top of that. After the first SARS outbreak in 2003, the United States led the reform of the WHO. The WHO rules that govern how countries report on public health threats. So, major reform effort back 2003. Those rules – they're called International Health Regulations – went into effect in 2007. We set very clear expectations – we, the world, set very clear expectations for how every country must disclose data to protect global health. For example, Article 6 of the IHR says that each state party shall notify the World Health Organization within 24 hours of all events which may constitute a public health emergency of international concern within its territory. Annex 2 of those same rules provides that countries must notify the World Health Organization of any unusual or unexpected public health events such as SARS, a close genetic cousin of the virus that causes COVID-19. Those rules also set how countries should evaluate when to notify the WHO of diseases of unknown causes or sources. We strongly believe that the Chinese Communist Party did not report the outbreak of the new coronavirus in a timely fashion to the World Health Organization. Article 6 of the IHRs, which was a part of this reform, further mandates that a state party – that would include China – shall continue to communicate to WHO timely, accurate, and sufficiently detailed public health information – that is, there's an ongoing obligation. Even after the CCP did notify the WHO of the coronavirus outbreak. China didn't share all of the information it had. Instead, it covered up how dangerous the disease is. It didn't report sustained human-to-human transmission for a month until it was in every province inside of China. It censored those who tried to warn the world It ordered a halt to testing of new samples, and it destroyed existing samples. The CCP still has not shared the virus sample from inside of China with the outside world, making it impossible to track The disease's evolution. Not making a legal determination here today on China's adherence to the IHRs, but the World Health Organization's regulatory arm clearly failed during this pandemic.
0: Okay, so let's stop that right there because the audio is really bad and they really want to hijack me with stupid ads. So here we are, where Pompeo pretty much says, in a nutshell that China hasn't reported, there should be more labs that are investigated, which means how much more money, how much more taxpayer dollars have been given to China to create things and then reverse engineer uh cures, right? That's basically it. And so he's laying it all out there on this uh coronavirus. Um and like I said on March 25th, when uh, Twitter decided to tell me that I was acting like a bot, uh, I see that <laughs> – what? Oh, that I said that this was all about impeachment and look at it happen now. Now they're going to use this NIH research and say it. Totally applies to the rest of the world, and that for decades now, people that have been taking the malaria drug to protect themselves from malaria is causing damage. A long-standing drug, and Tedros, where is he? Why don't we ask the malaria expert why it is that suddenly this medication that has been used for so many years is now a bad medication? Now, not good for the people or consumption, even though the cure rate is almost at ninety-nine Five percent for those that are using hydroxychloroquine. So it's pretty incredible when you uh, kind of take a step back and look at it. This, this, what you're seeing, guys, is one of the greatest shows on earth. One of the worst things to come to our nation, which is realizing that we have been participants in their game for far too long. This is not a game. We are people. We have livelihoods, families, real concerns, and the innate right to be free. And they do not like that. So I am going to break for a second and uh, I'll see you all in just a few minutes.
6: The of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision, will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit Of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable.
2: Hello,
7: my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn, Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. Hi, to donate, I'm Laura go Luber, to and I'm Congress in Florida's
8: 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promise
0: Okay, guys, I have no idea what is going on with my system. I think I upset someone today. (laughs) Maybe it was all those butts puckering uh, when, uh, you know, the real perpetrators are exposed. And that's exactly what we should all be doing is exposing the real perpetrators. But you know what? When people, you know, I would like to say that even though I didn't go through like jarhead boot camp, but went through Navy boot camp. When you're trained in the military, you're trained to face uncharted waters without fear, right? And that is one of the biggest tools they give you. Uncharted waters means you've never... But you don't, you have no certainty of the floor in front of you. You have no certainty of, of what is to come next, but you were taught to be brave enough and strong enough to walk in that path without fear and full trust in the feet and how you stand firm with the buckle of truth. And so that fearlessness is in the face of uncharted waters. But what we've been talking about today. And how Roger Stone made it clear to you throughout his whole discussion with all of us today is that we are not, none of us right now, you or I are not faced with uncharted waters or unknown territory. We know exactly where we're standing. We know exactly where we want our next foot to go. So what is the problem the problem is is that we do not know how to put our foot down why because they've trained us not to know you know Laura Loomer's advertisement that I run about her being blocked on social media and she took charge she filed a lawsuit right That is what every single one of you should be doing. I saw that the Meridian County, whatever police department in Idaho arrested a woman for being in a playground, a playground that that woman paid for with her tax dollars that she is allowed to enjoy. No one can tell her no. And yet those police officers that supposedly took an oath to serve the people are actually serving another master, not the people, not the constitution. And I say this firmly because if that woman, if I was that woman, I would take my ticket, take my arrest. And the minute I'd be out, I'd head straight to an attorney's office and file a big fat lawsuit because there is not one judge sitting on a bench. Well, I might actually have to retract that because there are judges that are sitting on the bench that would do this that would find a way to justify the removal of your civil liberties. And a pastor in Kentucky actually did that. His people that were coming in with a drive-thru were all cited. His lawyer went straight straight down to the courthouse and was immediately remedied. The judge herself said it was unconstitutional. Actually, mind you, uh, we were talking about this and I actually saw an article. It's called, uh, it's a little blog and and it's so good, so well written. And it's very local um, in regards to, um, you know, the politics that it spans. But um, this was a guest post by John H. Wilson, who's a former judge of the criminal court in New York City. And he so eloquently says, you know, we must all take an example on Fire Christian Church, Louisville, Kentucky. When the mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher, sent his police forced to harass Pastor Chuck Salvo's parishioners as they sat in their cars for a drive-in church service the pastor hired a lawyer and sought an injunction and in granting the injunction the federal judge Justin Walker said it in a very simple way on Holy Thursday an American mayor criminalized the communal celebration of Easter the mayor's decision is stunning and it's beyond all reason unconstitutional if every single one of you like Laura did use the courts that they weaponize against you against them this will never happen again because case law aside from just the legislators that sit in DC make the law right you have that right I mean you know I, I've i had courts weaponized against me. They sent subpoenas to every corner of this planet trying to find something. Since they couldn't come up with something criminal, and they definitely didn't want to bring me into the Mueller investigation because that would have been a ticking time bomb right there for them. It would have been like... Um, instead they tried to go civil. So let's manufacture a story and then let's, uh, let's ask for something for nothing. Oh no, you want claim for, you want relief on a claim that doesn't require relief. Okay. So you don't like her. So you're taking her to civil court. And a lot of people will say, well, that's unconstitutional. Yeah, it is. But you know what? I'm okay with it because every single judge that has allowed this to perpetuate will no longer be sitting on a bench. And so far, The Supreme Court justice, the chief Supreme Court justice of that state has already rolled their heads. Wait till it gets to the rest because that is how you get things done. Sometimes you just got to sit there, grin and bear it. And unfortunately, like I like I told Roger Stone, unfortunately, you're the one that has been picked to just blow this out. And exactly that's what's going to happen. When people find out that jury pools are tainted, when they find out that the prosecutor says, I want a conviction on Mary Jean plugs in, hires this company or one of their subsidiary and says, hi, here we are. Here is the outcome I want. I want Mary Jane to be guilty. And then it takes out all the data, compiles all the social media, health records, you name it. Yeah, they violate it. You better be, you better be sure that anything that's record on federal, your passport, your whatever, they'll pull it in there and then they'll selectively pick a jury. That's most likely to provide you jury pool it's going to give them the guilty verdict they want. That's how they work. Everything is fixed. They own everything. So when I tell you SCOTUSgate is going to blow things up beyond proportion, you have no idea because they have corrupted the only thing that we pride ourselves on and that is a fair court. But many of us know that if you have money, you buy the court and we're okay with it. Oh yeah, you know, he has money. He'll just get away with it. It shouldn't be like that. It should be fair. And if you are a political dissident, how dare you? You dig up information on so-and-so. I'll show you. And you know what? I'd be a little bit concerned. You know, for those that I've, you know, investigated on, they should be really concerned now that they know that for the past almost over two decades, I've been working for one of the biggest private intelligence agencies on the planet. So uh, private Private contractor? Federal contractor? I don't know. You, you you, call it what you want. Bottom line is it was created by the intelligence community to pull in global intelligence. <laughs> you think the NSA, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the thing. We need to wake up. And each and every one of you right now are part of their operations. They are using you. And each and every one of you should also be on alert to recognize those people that are supposedly there to provide you information, to provide you impartial information, are actually also employed, employed by these types of agencies. That's the thing. We're not looking at that. We're not talking about that. We're just looking the other way. And as we see, uh, you know, all these, (laughs) uh, you know, shenanigans coming up now, as we see even the media themselves claiming that this coronavirus is a hoax, can you see how they pay? And you're furious. I'd be furious too. I am furious for you. And all of us should be furious because they believe that we should have no right to freedom that they know best and that we should just sit and be obedient little eggs. That's exactly what they want. And as we saw the president put out this executive order to, you know, stop immigration, again, more pushback, you know, more pushback, the lies they spin. You know how Brian Settler faced the camera, you know, with his dry round lips and, so cruddy so oh so barf and i think tucker Carlson actually said barf hence hence my love for him because he says things so well but unfortunately still rupert murdoch does have does, does have his finger where he wants it but here is where you see their little psyops coming to fruition your inability to discern that you're even participating is key and i've said the best type of operation is say you know there's an operation to liberate america the best way it works is by every single person that's part of it not knowing that they're working together and you know what the best psyop on a community is is when they don't know that they're the people that are actually contributing to the psyop the reality hackers the ones that nudge you to think a certain way the ones that nudge you to feel and act a certain way. Every single thing you've been doing, nudge, 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 by, you know, I don't know, blue check marks or whatever. When it, when you participate in that, you slowly use your use your innate ability to have objectivity. And that's key. And they know that. And that's human nature. Because we tend to gather in groups. We enjoy being in groups because we are innately good. And we love to have fostering relationships, right? And so <laughs> I know I'm, I'm here giving a really, really, really big dose of reality to say that you've been played and you're constantly being played. And unfortunately, our president, you know, may or may not have access to this information. I believe he does because he is indeed a genius and he sees everything. And he, for thank goodness, has the right people by his side, even though he's infiltrated with others. So infiltrated with how? I mean, come on, guys. Where's Gina Haspel? I've told you how I feel about her. We could talk about her at some point. I'm just not ready yet. Because when she comes into the picture, it'll be a little bit later. It'll be when they really go down. Really, really go down. So when you're impatient, (laughs) and I love the meme that's screaming, and it's like, for the love of God, just indict someone. You can't. Because these people that you're going to indict are actually cogs in the machine of the government functioning. These are contractors and employees that are private or contracted or actually, you know, straightforward federal that you need to gut. And like the president said, it's the top that's scum. But you know what? It's a trickle down, right? So it's like an infection, right? If you're infected at the top, you know, the pus is going to go down. And infect the others too. So how do you know how far the infection has gone? How do you know your rank and file are still good? Because I could tell you, uh, I also had a friend remind me that they were present in an FBI meeting a few months ago where they were praising Comey. They were praising Comey. And these are rank and file of states. Of states. Of states that look red but they're really blue. Of states. Of states. This is the reality and it's so, uh, you know, overbearing. It makes you feel like there's no way out. How do we do this? Let's just nuke the place. (laughs) Let's just nuke ourselves. We're done. No, we can fix it. When we realize that we've been played, when we've realized that we have more control than anybody else right now, these idiots that you see on TV, these idiots sitting in Congress in the Senate have no power whatsoever, zero power you have the power and you know I had a discussion with a group and I was like it's so stupid that people are assembling peacefully what you don't believe in the power assembly. I was like, no, it's just dumb. Why doesn't just everybody file a lawsuit? I could file a lawsuit saying I can't go to the lake and, and walk, you know, along the lake because the governor says I'm not allowed to, even though I pay taxes and it funds it, you know, to be able to, you know, be clean or that people can walk on it. I can't go to, um, to the church. I miss church and I want to sue you because you've taken away my right to practice, you know, my religion and enjoy the resurrection. If every single one of us actually sat there and drafted one and dropped it off, the world would be ours. But see, the thing is, everybody else likes to sit on social media and complain, right? And tweets and Facebook, and nobody wants to do it. It's nothing. Go to your sites. You go to your state's website. Look at to how to file a civil claim. Fill out. I have no money. Thanks, coronavirus. So you don't pay the filing fee and make it super simple. I wasn't allowed to go to church for Easter. I'm suing the government for taking away my civil liberty and file it. That's all you have to do. File it. You can file it in some states. Now, when your state gets a thousands of those and your state has to pay you out, next time this happens, let me ask you, do you think the state is going to shut down the church? No, they're going to say your body, your choice. You want to die from coronavirus? Please go ahead. You don't want to die from coronavirus? Then don't go. That's what they'll do. And that is exactly what should be happening, not what we're seeing today. Uh, You know, it's funny how the left is my body, my choice, but it doesn't apply when there's a pandemic. If you want to go outside and die right you're not allowed to do that because you should follow orders now i just wanted to play a clip from uh tucker carlson where he talked about the executive order uh failing to protect american jobs it's pretty interesting take a listen
7: good evening and welcome to tucker carlson tonight the sad news and you know this already is that more than 22 million people have filed for unemployment benefits recently since our government instituted mass quarantines and began shutting down the economy in state after state. According to Pew, as of right now, fully 43% of all Americans have seen their hours cut, their pay cut, or lost their jobs entirely. That means a huge chunk of the country is now wondering how to pay the bills. Some have run out of money entirely, and they're hungry. Lines at food banks are the longest in nearly 100 years since the Depression. So whatever you think of our uniquely generous immigration policy, and maybe you support it, it's pretty clear that right now is literally the last moment that unemployed Americans should have to be undercut by foreign nationals as they look for desperately needed jobs. It's obvious, and the president knows it well. Last night, without warning, he tweeted this, quote, in light of the attack from the invisible enemy, as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great American citizens, I will be signing an executive order to temporarily suspend immigration into the United States, end quote. Well, that ricocheted around twitter immediately the announcement seemed to come out of nowhere but in fact it didn't americans have been consistently demanding this and it's measurable a new ipsos poll found that a remarkable 79 percent of all american adults support a temporary suspension of all immigration into the country for the duration of this pandemic a harvard harris poll found that 83 percent of adults 83 percent want a moratorium on immigration from mexico And by the way, these are not new sentiments. They've been around a long time. Another Harvard poll from two years ago found that 81% of voters wanted legal immigration cut to below its current level of about a million people a year. 63% wanted that number cut by half at least. In a country as divided as ours is right now, this is as close to a consensus as you're ever gonna find about anything ever. If our democracy is real, and we're hoping it is, our leaders cannot continue to ignore what the public wants. And in this case, there's no question the president has the authority to do what he has done. Current federal law explicitly authorizes a president, any president, to suspend immigration into the country whenever he deems it detrimental to the interests of the United States. The people who wrote that law were very clear about why they did it. During hearings at the time, they explicitly pointed to epidemics and mass employment as the kind of crises that would justify cutting off immigration. Sound familiar? Of course it does. To most people, that makes utter sense. Why in the middle of a disaster would you make things worse? Why would you hurt your own people when they're already hurting? Even in Europe, that's very obvious to leaders. Many European countries have closed their borders during this disaster and are now making do with their own indigenous labor force. And yet some people in this country still oppose the idea. Who are these people and why do they oppose it? Well, people who've been pampered and enriched by waves of low-wage immigration, they're against it. Politicians whose hopes for power rest on changing this country's population oppose it too. They'd rather see Americans unemployed. In fact, anyone whose livelihood depends upon selling out the country is apt to be very threatened by this. Former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright is squarely in that category. Albright has spent the last 20 years bowing before and then profiting from the government of communist China. Albright was one of the shills who lobbied for China's disastrous admission into the World Trade Organization 20 years ago. She's now appalled by the notion of cutting immigration during the worst unemployment crisis of her lifetimes. As she just explained on MSNBC, that's immoral.
4: How do you feel about the president's
8: messaging on immigration?
3: Well, I'm stunned and I really, do think that the Statue of Liberty is weeping? Um, it is un-American.
7: Got that? It's un-American to act in the economic interests of Americans.
0: So, in other words, uh, we want to stop immigration so their you know pandemic that they're pushing doesn't affect us, and we're pausing immigration for that. But at the same time, I think we should hit pause on immigration until every single American. Is employed. And then we can bring other people because we have people just as good and even better than foreigners to do the job. And that is the point. Why do they want us to be invaded by others and not provide for their own? Tucker makes a great point. And here's the thing. There are people that are actually against this. Most of them are probably interest driven. Uh, You know, you can't have an American, you know, sit in a call center to take your calls because then you'd have to pay them insurance and you'd have to pay them livable wages. And then you have to have them act in a certain way because you can't hang uh, a visa (laughs) that's expiring soon over their head to perform better harder and stronger. These are realities, guys. These are realities because the people that are outsourcing or bringing people here to do the work isn't because they just have special skills. I'm not saying they don't. Some of them are even better because our education system is so flawed. But it's also to handicap our economy because when there is no job, who do you look to to help? To the place you've been paying taxes to all this time, the government. All of us have. And I'm taking my Trump bucks. Apparently, they're sending me a check, Um, you know, happily, because I know most of that is from confiscated monies from all these CEOs that have stepped down and the whole nine yards. So I'm more than happy to take it because I think I've paid enough because we live in a nation right now that we pay taxes in order to be allowed to be free. Right. How sucky is that? Really sucks. So what I want you guys to think is Thursday is one of the favorite days that the president has. He loves Thursdays. Uh, and he really does love Thursdays. I think that's the time that he really spits some fire and I love it. Um, but what you have to see going forward now with all this are we going to open up? Can we go to work? are we gonna have work? How's this gonna pan out? Do we really have to wear masks? Do we have to wear gloves? are we able are we gonna be able to go to a baseball game? are we able to gonna go to a football game? Can I go to the movie theater again? Uh, can I go swim? Can I go whatever? can I go shopping? I want some clothes these things these questions as you see that unfold all of this unfold, I want you to remember, you are part of their game. Make yourself, remove yourself from that game, and you'll see just how fast things shape up. And the president has been telling you that again and again and again. And the economy, just like Roger Stone says, he's going to make it even better now. Because he is using their words against them, their experts against them, their tactics against them. The only thing we have to do now is pretty much remove the vendors that are helping the cabal execute this. So before I go with five minutes left, I'm going to leave you with this. Today, hopefully you've understood what psychological operations are. And I talked about it yesterday and I talked about it today again so that you can understand how you are simply a character in their script. You also heard from Roger Stone that it is a thank God he was warned before they stormed his house because it could have went pear-shaped. So I guess them having a lawn chair and a camera across the street, you know, compared to the fact that he was able to be there and not let it go as pear-shaped as they probably wished it would have went, I'm good. And think, why is Christopher Ray not releasing the documents that issued the order to create, like, you know, as if they were going after some, some guy that had guns a-blazing, you know, like in that scene, you know, meet my little friend, like seriously. This is, this is what they did, right? So who ordered that? What, is, what else is Christopher Ray hiding? Those are all questions. How do we get those answers? By asking for them. Pretty simple. Ask for it. And you know, we have Tom Fitton, who again, I say, he probably, it's like he pumps iron every time he drops. Every time he drops a subpoena, the guy bulks up. I love him and adore him. And I'm so glad we have him where he is. But you don't have to be, you know, judicial watch to do it. You can do it in your You know, in your city, in your state, drop that lawsuit, drop that lawsuit, drop that FOIA request, drop it. I've dropped so many of them. It's ridiculous. And I'm hoping that someone can find out what company was contracted to pool the jury, not only for Roger Stone, but for Manafort and Cohen, Cohen cracked for Manafort, Cohen, Roger Stone, huh? should we get to General Flynn? We should do that too. Because bottom line is he doesn't need a pardon right now. He needs this judge to be held accountable because there is not a judge in DC that doesn't know what company is used to pull these jurors, not one, not one. And think they're supposed to be serving the people. They swore an oath to uphold the constitution. How is this even happening? How is this even allowed in a nation that prides itself for freedom in a nation that prides itself to allow people the freedom of thought, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom to be able to protect themselves. How is that even allowed? And the answer is you've allowed it. I've allowed it. (laughs) All of us have allowed them to do this. And the other key point, Roger Stone is facing sentencing for something he didn't have. He had no contact whatsoever. There were absolutely no back channels, none, yet I, who they knew, because you know what? Matt Couch, right? I contacted him in 2016. I told him, I know exactly what's up. I can talk to you. You know they looked at his DMs. You know they got all his phone records. You know they knew I knew. Yet they didn't come to me at any time. None. None. Why? Because they don't want to bring someone that actually knows what's going on. They're going to bring people in that kind of know, maybe know, not really know. So that way they can taint it and paint their own story. Because the only thing they wanted is to remove the people that actually know where the bodies are buried. And that's the bottom line. And Roger Stone, well, they wanted to make the president guilty by proxy, but I I don't know how you can be guilty just by associating with someone. That's pretty dumb, right? Totally throws out our constitution right there too. So take that with you as you will. And for those of you that love to dig now that you can't work, let's see what that company was. And just a hint, General Hayden was part of that group. So on that note, I want to thank every single one of you. God bless from all of us here at Red State. See you tomorrow.